Welcome to the Mission City Church Podcast. My name is Jake Eichert, and I am the Community Groups and Creative Director at Mission City Church, as well as the host of this podcast. Each week, you can find full-length sermons, five-minute sermon breakdowns, and inspiring conversations with guests about discipleship, current events, local outreach, and more. Our mission as a church is to make Jesus known, and we pray that this podcast does just that for you. If it does, please subscribe and share. But for now, please enjoy this episode of the Mission City Church Podcast. Uh, what's up, everybody? How we doing? You, you are the faithful. That's what you are. Chief Sunday morning, uh, or you maybe maybe you uh, think that God really cares about football, and if you don't show up to church, that your team's going to lose. I don't know which one you guys are, but I'm going to believe that you're the faithful. So, uh, which is good. I uh, hope you guys are doing well uh, today. Uh, I'm excited because we're in a series uh, that's called Why Church where we've been looking at the different elements of our church, different things that we do in our church, and ask the question, why? hey, why do we do that? Why do we spend time doing that? Uh, learn a little bit about what it is, and then, out, and then after that is I, I want to share kind of my perspective on how I want us as a community to engage in that. Uh, and so today we're talking about the Lord's Supper, or we're talking about communion. Uh, and so, but before we do that, is there, is there like a, a meal or a smell or a, a type of food that just reminds you of something or someone else? You ever have this? Like for me, um, I personally can't see a sleeve of saltine crackers without thinking of my granddad. Like every single meal that I've ever, he's passed now, but every single meal that we had together growing up, uh, at some point he would get tired of whatever we were eating and go grab a sleeve of saltine crackers and then eat the, eat whatever we're eating with it. Everything, even breakfast, about halfway through breakfast. They're like, come on, there's like bread on the table. But he would go get some saltine crackers. Do you guys have something like that that just like brings you back somewhere? Uh, or uh, if I eat, see a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese, I instantly think of my grandma, uh, which I, I, I do. I cannot see Kraft. It's only Kraft because that's all that she, she would buy at our house. Uh, and this is before they would had organic macaroni and cheese that you can buy for your kids now. Uh, but, and, and as a young child, the reason is, is I would go to her house uh, in the summers a lot, but also I would go to her house uh, just you know, on a weekend, and my brother and I, Justin, would go, and we would go meet my two cousins, Jenny and Amanda, and we would go play at their house. And she had this, they had this awesome house, my grandma and grandpa. Uh, they lived on nine acres, which was awesome for kids to really hurt themselves and get into trouble. Uh, there, was, there were two ginormous fields. There was a barn, an old barn, that you could definitely get hurt in. Uh, there, was, there was wood. There was even river access that you could, you could drown in, which is awesome. Uh, none of us did, praise God. But, but there was all this stuff. And so we would go and run everywhere all over this land. And then at dinner time, or excuse me, at lunchtime, uh, my grandma would make the same meal every single time we were there. It would be hot dogs and macaroni and cheese, uh, craft macaroni and cheese. And so I, every t- single time when I think about, you know, box macaroni, I think about her. And while, 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 she was, uh, while, while we were eating, she would be drinking uh, her morning coffee that she would microwave. Uh, and you know, if you ever you guys microwave coffee, you know that smell of microwave coffee if you ever have? Yeah, like it's like a, it's distinct. Like the mug heating up in your, in your, uh, in your microwave, it just has, and then it, it just does something to the, the coffee that's not pleasant. Um, and, uh, and if you like it, that's okay. But like to this day, to this day, if I have like coffee that I haven't, uh, haven't, haven't, uh, I have a little left over, I'll even like microwave it for a, a 30 seconds and, and drink it, even though it's disgusting. Just to like, it's like a weird way for me to connect and like remember my grandmother. And it's, I, I can't, I, I, I just do that. And so 
But, but it's weird how like food or meals uh, or smells trigger memory. They do. They do. Um, they do. They, they, they trigger things for us. They bring us back to places. They bring us and remind us of people. And so today, as we talk about the Lord's Supper, which is something that we take every single week, or communion, uh, it's, we're going to be talking and looking at this idea that this meal that you take every single week is to remind you of something. It's to help you to remember. It's to trigger something inside of you uh, to remind you of, uh, of Christ's death. And, and so, so today, as we kind of focus on that, I just, I just want, you to, I want you to consider that. Now, um, we, the first point on the screen is, is this very, it's very simple. The Lord's Supper is a time to remember and to proclaim Christ's death. That's, that's really what, that's really as simple as you could put it, is that this is the purpose of taking this meal. It's a time that the, the body of Christ comes together to remember, and then also it's a way that we do proclaim that Christ has died. Now, there's a couple names I want to I want to just bring you into that depending on your tradition, uh, you might have heard before. So, the way when I grew up, we called it communion. I, and we here usually call it communion, right? Any communion people, you guys call it communion? Any what about Lord's Supper people? Anyone we might enter, we might if we got fancy, we'd call it Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper. Any any Lord's Supper people? No. Okay, cool. All right, um, what about uh, if you grew up like more, in, I would call it high church or Catholic, you call it the Eucharist. Any, any Eucharist people? Any? No. <laughs> Jared, you're not a Eucharist person. I know. <laughs> you are now, though. You love it. Uh, and honestly, uh, when I first got to seminary and they started talking about the Eucharist, I didn't know what it was because in my traditions, we didn't, we didn't, talk, like, we didn't use that phrase. Uh, the word Eucharist, uh, is, it comes from the Greek word. And it just means to, to give thanks. There's, it's three ways to say the same thing. And so, um, but, but as we look at this today, as we look at the Lord's Supper, uh, we're, we're really, uh, what I want you to do, what I really want us to consider is when we come up at the end of service and we take the, 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 the cracker that's been broken, the bread that's been broken, the blood that has been shed, like what is, like what are, what are we remembering? What is it intending for us to do? And so, First uh, Corinthians 11 is a passage that Paul kind of teaches this, uh, and if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to open uh, up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If not, it will be on the screen. Uh, and as we do that, I do want to encourage you, so at Mission City this year, we're, we have a reading plan that we're going through, and so uh, in the past, we've, the last two months, we've, we, we've had bookmarks that if you're more of a, I like to check a box type of person, we have these bookmarks to help you to remind you of your reading plan and also notes what, you, what you've read. And so we're kind of starting a new cycle of that in no, November. And so if you need one of those, those will be at the connections table. Uh, and if you feel guilty because you intended to join us in the reading plan and you missed a day or you've missed four weeks, that's okay. Like this is the time for you. This is the on-ramp for you to join, join in. And so, uh, and yeah, uh, if you look at my sheet, I'll, you know, in all transparency, here we go. This is it. I'm your pastor. Here we go. I'll show you. I have some blank spaces. I had a week that I, I listened. Yeah, here we go. Right here. See those, that three-day gap? You can't. But if you were close enough or you had good eyes, <laughs> you could see this. I'm looking at you, Cassidy. <laughs> but I missed three days, all right? Full transparency. There's grace here. It's okay, all right? But time, is, time to jump in on that because spending time with the Lord is going to transform you. It's going to change you. We're going to be in his presence. But today, as we talk about, as we talk about the Lord's Supper, is I, want, I want us to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 23. 
Paul's actually uh, is, is instructing them on what not to do with the Lord's Supper because what, what was going on here is that they, for, for, for us, when we talk about communion or the Lord's Supper, like it's, it's a very, it's a part of a service. It's uh, in some communities, you pass a, a plate that has your elements. Some, you come to a table. Some, uh, the pastor gives them to you. Uh, but for us, it's just a very quick, it's not transactional, but it, it, it's, it's very quick and, it, and it's inside of a service. Uh, for them, they were celebrating and having meals together. And during those meals, they would, they would also remember, uh, remember Christ's sacrifice through communion or the, or the Lord's Supper as well. And so people were showing up to these, these, these meals and some people were eating all the food and some people were getting drunk. And Paul's like, hey, that's not the point of the Lord's Supper. Like, it's not for you to come and have a big feast. It was, like a, it was, it was almost like the pagan feast uh, during, the Roman time, during the Roman Empire. And so Paul's saying, hey, no, this isn't what this isn't about. It isn't about you eating, uh, some of you eating all the food and other people going hungry. It isn't about you coming and partying and, 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 and missing out on the point of Jesus. No, there, there's a specific point of the Lord's Supper. And it says this in verse 23. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. So Paul is saying, this isn't from me. This is something that I have received from the Lord, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a piece of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this Lord's Supper is this meal. It's, this, it's intended to bring you back to remembering the fact that your Savior, that our King Jesus, that his body was broken and that his blood was shed. Uh, it, it's a powerful moment. So it's to remind you, it's to trigger you the fact that your Savior died so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Uh, Matthew, in, the, in his gospel, in, verse, uh, in chapter 26, this is not on the screen, in verse 27, he says it this way, he took the cup, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it all, all of you. This is my blood uh, of the covenant, which is poured out for what? For, for many, uh, excuse me, it was poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. This is what this meal is, is to strike in you. It is to remind you of what Christ has done. It's to remind you that he laid down his life. And it's also uh, a, a proclamation declaring that, 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 that the breaking of bread and the drinking of wine in, in, in worship to Jesus is this opportunity to proclaim what Christ has done. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the symbolism of what Christ did on the cross, body broken blood shed in the picture of bread that, that, that breaks. Like unleavened bread that breaks, it, it cracks. And then blood that is poured out as well. And so it's, it's this proclamation. It also is a proclamation of a future hope. It's a proclamation of a future promise of another meal. As it ends in chapter 11, he says, until the Lord returns. And this is good news. Because Christ is going to come back and that in the, in the end, there is going to be another feast uh, in Revelation 19, where all of the believers are coming together and feasting together. It's going to be amazing. And so it's something that we do 
in this age, in this time period, as we wait for the fact that Christ is coming in. And so this table not only reminds us of the fact that Christ died for the sins of the world, it also is our hope that Christ will come again, that he's going to make everything new, and we get to be with him forever in eternity. Now, the, the theme of meals is pretty common in, in Scripture. Uh, you go to the garden, and, and he puts human beings in the garden, and he, he says, hey, you can eat from any tree in the garden except one as well. Even the Lord's Supper, uh, even this communion, th- this, is at a, this is during a meal in, in the Jewish uh, in, in the Jewish festivals. This, this is Passover. They're celebrating Passover together. They're celebrating this festival already that is to remind the Israelites. You guys, what, do you know what a Passover is, 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 is a celebration of for them to remember? It's like school, I know. We'll make it silent. It's okay. What is it? Anyone know? What's this symbol? Yeah, the passing over. Exodus, yeah. The Exodus or the, the Passover. Two great answers. The people of Israel at the end, end, end of Genesis are in, in slavery, and God hears their, their cries to be set free, and he sends uh, Moses to them to, to, to help deliver them. And so uh, in the 10th plague, God says, hey, I'm going to send the angel of death to, uh, he's going to kill the firstborn of every house, but I will rescue those uh, who take a, an unblemished lamb and they, they, they cut it and they, 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 they paint the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And when the angel that the Lord sees that, I'm going to pass over that house. And so anyone in that, any firstborn son that is in that will be saved or they will be rescued as well. And then after that moment, uh, Pharaoh lets the, Egyptian, uh, the Israelites go and now they're able to go and leave and to go back into the promised land that God has called them to as well. And so they were celebrating this. This is Jesus hanging out with his disciples, and they were celebrating the fact and remembering the fact how God rescued their ancestors from slavery. And Jesus, Jesus is basically taking this idea, and he says, hey, I'm actually starting a new covenant that is starting with my death, and any time that you take this bread and drink this, this wine, that this would be a remembrance of me, and I'm starting something new. And, and Jesus uh, later, just to continue on the Passover theme, because they took lamb, John the Baptist would eventually call Jesus, what? The Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus even said in his teachings in John, he said, hey, I am the bread of life, setting up this idea of his body being broken, that he says, I am the vine. What, what grows on vine? Grapes. What, what, makes, what makes wine? Uh, grapes and wine. So wine is blood. He, he's setting this theme up. And then he has this Lord's Supper where he's setting up this idea that, that, that his body broken, bloodshed is a picture of that. And so this, this, the Lord's Supper is this opportunity for you to remember and to proclaim Jesus and his death. And so, so this is to impact us. How, how should this impact us on a Sunday morning? How should this impact you in about 10 or 15 minutes when we come and take these elements? I don't know about you, like sometimes I can really just fall and default back into like, oh, it's the time of the week where we're going to take communion or we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And I'm going to go up there. I'm going to grab my, my cup. I'm going to grab my, my juice. Cassie and I have this tradition where we together break the same piece of bread because for me that's imagery and that's fun for us, but we just do that. And uh, as we almost can illustrate that, but um, 
and then we just, uh, you know, pray a little prayer, take it. And am I, am I actually sitting in the fact that Christ died for my sins in this moment? And so there's, there's, Paul continues in this passage, and he gives some instruction that there is, there is a right way and there's a wrong way to approach the table. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to approach the table. Verse 27 says this, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of, I just, my eyes off that, there he is, of the cup. Excuse me, yep. Uh, let each person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, sometimes when I read, when I read passages, I actually shift. This is the message version. Um, I, I'll take the, we read out of the ESV usually, but sometimes, um, sometimes for me, the message, uh, and I, I used to like really, uh, if, in all transparency, when I, when I was a younger uh, Christian, I used to make fun of the message a lot. Uh, can I just be honest with you guys? Um, and maybe you do too, or maybe you are now, or maybe I don't. Maybe you don't even know what the message is. Okay, the message is a is a paraphrase. It's a modern paraphrase by a pastor named Eugene Peterson. It came out maybe fifteen twenty years ago, and uh, I used to make fun of it because it was not. It wasn't like the Word of God, and you know I had translations that I liked more. And I have preferences in translations, but I do. Sometimes I think that the message helped me a ton in, in, in a text like this. So for the next few passages we're going to read, I'm gonna, we're going to use this. And I like to call it Eugene. I, I, I like to say Eugene says because he translated it all. Who was a, actually a pretty, he's a pretty good linguist. Um, anyway, so, but I, I love how he says this. So read this. He says, anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be a part of? Examine your motive, test your heart, come to this meal and holy awe. And I love that. And I, I, would, I would say, um, I would say I, I, I've never associated the idea of a, a nonchalantness or an irreverence to um, taking the elements that we take every week, to, to going as far as saying, hey, like we're we're like the crowd that that is, is spitting on him, that is, is chanting crucify him. But I think that I do think that that that, we're, that it's like a very it's it's dishonoring the memory of Jesus when we don't really have a sense of awe with this moment. And, and it can be it can be so easy, you know. We're busy. We're we're thinking about the next week. We're you know maybe we had a rough morning, uh, maybe. The Chiefs are playing right now, and we really want to know what's going on in the game. Like, there's things that can just come uh, into play, but this is this is an opportunity to connect or to commune with the living God in a special way by remembering His death. And so, what is what, what does it look like to, to 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 come to the table in a worthy manner? It means you examine your motives. You, I would say, you examine your motives. You you might say, like, Hey, why am I coming to to this table today? Remember, and and, and what am I remembering today? Thinking today, like, what am I remembering? Maybe remembering what you're forgiven from. Uh, another thing is to test your heart, to examine your heart. Like, what do you need to confess? I, I think one of the best things uh, as you come to this table, because Christ offers forgiveness of sins, is that this is a time, if you don't, if you don't have a regular rhythm of confessing in your life to, to the Lord, um, is, is, is before you approach this table or after you grab the elements, before you take them together, it's just to confess your sin from the week. Because God knows him, 
but he hears you. But this is an opportunity for you because Christ paid for those sins on the cross. And that's, what his, that's a part of what the meaning of, of his death. And so one of the questions is, what do you need to confess uh, this week? Uh, this is a weekly acknowledgement of, of your sin and, and your weakness and your need for him. Uh, another thing is, is that maybe it's, it's not that you've sinned, but someone has sinned against you and you need to forgive. And so maybe it's, who do I need to forgive this? Who do I need to forgive? Like Christ, this, the, his death is a picture of this supernatural forgiveness for every wrongdoing that you've ever done. And so therefore, because of his supernatural forgiveness, I'm able to forgive in a supernatural way where, where the rest of the world might say, hey, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to hold a grudge. I'm going to let this live over you. So who do you need to forgive? And then the last thing is, like, it's, it's, it's come to the table. Like, it's, it's come. Like, but come in a sense of awe that, that he did this, that, that the Savior of the world lays down his life. But, but, but come. Like, it's not something that you should ignore. It's something that I, I would say that it should be something you look forward to every single week, the fact that you have a reminder of a Savior who died, and also that he, he, he didn't stay dead, that he rose again. Let's skip down to verse 33. So he says, so then my brothers, verse 33, he says, so then my brothers, you can add sisters there, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things I will give directions when I come. Let's look at what the message says. I like how he says this too. Eugene says like this, he says, so my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and courteous with one another. Because these guys, I mean, it, it, this is the difference. Like, it would, it, it would be like you, uh, you bumping people on your way uh, to, to get to this table. These guys were eating a meal together. They were hanging out together, eating a meal together. So it's a little different in our context as well. But if you are so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich, which is awesome. By no means risk turning this meal into an uh, eating and and drinking binge or a family squabble. It is a spiritual meal. It's a a, a love feast, remembering what Christ has done for us as well. But I I was thinking, like, we don't, Jake and I were even talking, like, potentially uh, to to practice communion more appropriately, like, we might consider doing doing it in our community groups. I didn't say, we didn't talk about that, but they're really more centered around a meal. And uh, we get to do this. The reason I like doing it in our service uh, is because I don't want the, 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 the pinnacle moment in our service to be anything other than focused on Jesus. And so the aim and the direction of our, our, our service hopefully should always get to a point where we focus on Christ crucified and his resurrection. And so this is, this is, this, this is why when you go to a Catholic church, they, they have the Holy Eucharist. They have Mass that always has... Uh, community of it. If you go to an Anglican church, they have this, this practice. It's more liturgical. They'll always have this, where my tradition was more like you might get communion twice a year, maybe once a quarter. Um, but for me, it, it safeguards for us to say the only, the, the most important thing that we celebrate is a community of believers who are remembering that our Savior, he died for the forgiveness of sin. But I think sometimes we can just make this meal something that it's not. It can become ritualistic. It can become habit. It can become something that just is, is motion for us, where I begin to misremember the, the point of Jesus. Or, or we can even make it too much about ourselves, where it's not about ourselves. It's about Christ. It's about what he's done for us. And so 
So the, and the last thing I want to say before uh, I invite the band to come back up and we actually take the elements together is this, is, um, is there is an element of this table, this remembering, this meal should impact and alter how I live out there. Because I think sometimes it's like, okay, cool, yeah, Christ died for my sins. That's awesome. Yes, I remember. Good. High five. Yes. We did it. Christ died for my sins. Let's do it. Yes, this is good. This is good. But, but because we are Christ's followers, that the cross is, is something uh, that I think that we should model with our lives. Not that I'm saying that you need to go and die on a cross. That's not what I think that God is saying. But I do think that we can model our lives after our Savior. Uh, a friend of mine says it this way, that Christ was broken and given for the world. His body was broken, his blood was shed, and he was given so that the world could be saved. And as his follower we are to do the same thing, that we are to be broken and given for the world around us. And when we come to this table, that when we come and remember the fact that Christ came, that Christ died for the forgiveness of sins, that Christ, that, that Christ, that, that, that Christ has done all this for me, that, that I am invited to imitate the way that he lived, and that I am invited to lay down my life as he laid down his life so that others would know him and come into this saving relationship with him, that Christ was broken and given, and so therefore I am to be broken and given, that my life is to be broken and given for the world around me, for the world as well, that Christ sacrificed his life for forgiveness of sins. He sacrificed his life to conquer evil. He sacrificed his life to conquer death, and so, so we are forgiven, that we don't have to be afraid, that, that we can have hope because of the future that we have in him. And so that, that, that in some ways that Christ would teach us what Galatians 2.20 says, which is, should be on the screen, which it says this. He says, it's not, cool. All right, I'll get on. Thanks for the shout out. Is that I have been crucified with Christ. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, that we would that we would actually align ourselves that with Jesus, that Christ lives in me, that 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 that, that his expression, the, the way that he's lived, his way, his will would live in me, and and that I would live, I would live a, a broken and given life as Christ was broken and given, and that 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 that's a sacrificial that's sacrificial living is what it is. You know, I, um, this isn't my notes, but I've been thinking recently about how I think sometimes um, we, I've been listening to this book on uh, the de-churched, uh, de-churched Christians in America, and a de-churched person defined in this book is uh, someone who has an, a, a, attends church once a year. Essentially, they come to church on Christmas or Easter, and that's it. And the last year, they've come one, one time or less. And they're doing this research to find that there's a lot of unchristian or the nuns in our society, which is a real, it's a real thing. There's also 40 million Americans that are considered de-churched. And most of these people, you probably have a friend. They went, to, they went to youth group with you growing up. You went to church with them growing up. And they still, like if you have a conversation with them, they probably believe most of the things of the faith. Um, but they, uh, but but they're just not a part of a community. Maybe the church hurt them in some way. Uh, maybe COVID got them out of the rhythm of going in some way. And, um, 
And, and so, and, and this is a different sermon illustration for another day, so we're not going to really go all the way down the rabbit hole. But the idea is, um, uh, the idea is that some of these people, the reason why they left church is because we get, we've given them a false uh, understanding of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so we've actually been, we haven't given them the gospel, we've given them a prosperity gospel. Meaning, like life doesn't always work out the way that we think it's going to. Like everything good doesn't, good things don't always happen to me. They don't. Like sometimes bad things happen to me. That, that's just a reality. And so sometimes we pray for things and they, 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 they are unanswered or to know. And so people leave because either how the church handled that or, or we've taught them a false gospel. And I think one of the false gospels that we've taught people is this idea of we, we've taught them a lack of self-sacrifice. We've taught them a lack of the fact that, that Christ actually calls you to lay down your life. Christ calls you to lay down your life. There is this idea that, that if I'm a follower of Jesus and that, that he is the pinnacle of what a human looks like and the pinnacle moment in his life is the cross and the resurrection, that there's two, there's two conclusions from that. There's more than that, but the two that I'm going to say right now is one is that I am a new creation in him, which is awesome. That means I have a new life. That means I'm forgiven. That means I'm his. That means I'm his kid. That means all these different things. It also means that I need to imitate him, which means I need to lay down my life. I need to live a sacrificial life in complete obedience to the Father. And when we do that, that's going to be a community that's broken and given. When we do that, that means we, there's faithfulness to Jesus over everything else. When we do that, it's going to be a changed group. And when we do that, we're going to be a community that really ministers to people. It's a community that believes that God wants to do great things. It's a community that believes that God, God, God has done great things and has a great future for all of us. And it's, it's a community that's going to participate in that as well. And so as we come to this table, it's almost as, as I receive it, I've received this forgiveness. I've received his love. I've received his grace. I've received his hope for a future. And now I am equipped and empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit because I've communed with the living God. And now I'm going to go out and I'm going to be his light, his representative into the world. And I'm going to let him change people through me. I'm going to be, I'm going to be his tool, his workmanship. I'm going to be, I'm going to be used however he wants me to. And so we get to remember that. And so it's not just about you. It's not just about us, just the believers. It's us receiving this, agreeing, enjoying, celebrating, worshiping the living God, and then going out of this place and laying down our lives for whoever comes along the way and being willing that at all costs, I will lay down my life so that one or many might come to know this incredible living God who saved the world by laying down his life. So I'm going to invite the band back to come back. We're going we're gonna to take communion together. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to invite Nathan and, and um, Tyler to come back up. And, and we're just going to practice this. So the way that we're going to do this is um, we're, I'm going to invite you uh, first to, to come to the table. They're going to start underscoring. We're just gonna, I'm just going to do the whole thing. See. Um, so we're gonna, they're going to start playing behind us, but I want everyone to, uh, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, again, uh, you don't have to take this as well, but if you are a believer, I invite you to come to the table uh, or come up to the front where the elements are there. Grab um, a, uh, a wafer and a, and a cup of juice, and then just wait, and I'll give you a little bit more instruction, okay? So 
uh, let me pray for this time, and then I'm going to invite you to come, and then I'll give us a little bit more instruction before we take the elements, because we're going to do this as a, as a group today. So, Lord Jesus, uh, I praise you for the fact that, Jesus, you came. As the, as, as, as the scriptures say, that you humbled your, yourself, that you left heaven for us, and you became man, you became human, and you lived, and you died. And you, you came to die to do uh, several things, and, and you came and you conquered sin, and you conquered death, and we don't have to be afraid of death, that there's, there's, no, there's no victory in death anymore, there's no sting in death anymore, because you laid down your life and you rose again. And God, there's also forgiveness, God, that you have uh, incredible forgiveness for your people, and so God, we receive that forgiveness, we praise you for that forgiveness as well. And so God, as we try to honor you and remember you, uh, in, 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 in a sense of awe and greatness and glory that you deserve, God, would you just be with us today as we remember by, 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 by taking your Lord's Supper, God? Even right now as you hear me praying, just begin to prepare your heart just to get, begin to, to just remember what we're about to go and, and, and to do. And so as you're ready, I'm just going to invite you to stand up to go uh, grab um, a, a cracker over there and, and a piece of juice, and then I'll give you a little bit more instruction, okay? So you can go back to your seat after you, you grab that, and we'll walk through the elements together uh, and take communion together. So stand up right now, wherever you're at. If you're willing and able, you can go grab grab an element. i got to grab one myself. like or if you want to sit it's whatever posture you feel comfortable with I, I am going to lead you through a few prayer prompts so whatever is more comfortable for you so what are we what are you remembering today if you want to close your eyes and kind of imagine some of this as well it's Christ it's Jesus and we're remembering his brutal death that allows and leads to beautiful life for all those who believe in him. And so as you think, and as we, before we take this moment, I want you to just to see the man. See Jesus on the cross, if you can imagine that. See him, him beaten. See, the, see, see him bloodied. transgressions. See the, see the nails in his hands and his feet. See the crown of thorns with blood dripping down his face from how sharp they were as they were on his head. See the sign above them that says, here's the king of the Jews. remembering this incredible sacrifice that led to life. Now I want you to just take a moment and just take a moment and just confess. Just quietly in your mind and your thoughts. Where have you missed the mark this week? 
Where have you done something to offend God or to offend others? Where this week have you irreverently treated this sacrifice? Where have you taken part in placing him on the cross? Now remember Jesus' words as he's on the cross. When he sees them and they've already put him on there, he says to them, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And receive the forgiveness of Jesus. That this is why he laid down his life. That he invites you, as he said to the woman caught in sin, he said, invites you to go and to sin no more. That you can leave them at the foot of the cross because they're, they're taken care of, they're forgiven. And now who do you need to forgive? Is there someone in your life today that you're holding anger and unforgiveness towards? And because of his incredible love and forgiveness for you, that out not, not, not in a human strength, but in a Holy Spirit strength, who are you able to, to forgive because of what Christ has forgiven in your life? Jesus, as we have remembered your death, God, may we go out and live from this place as you were broken and given for us for the salvation of the world. God, may we live and proclaim your death to those around us, living lives full of sacrifice, declaring that Jesus is King and Savior because of, of this, that he was dead and now he lives. So God, may we honor you. May we give you all the praise and honor and glory for the fact that our God loved us enough to come rescue us. God, we remember and we surrender to you and your will in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take the elements. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mission City Church podcast. Mission City Church is a non-denominational church in Mission, Kansas. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Merriam Community Center off Slater Street between Johnson Drive and Shawnee Mission Parkway. We also have five community groups that meet throughout the KC Metro. If you live in the Kansas City area and would like more information, please visit our website at missioncitykc.com or send me an email at jake at missioncitykc.com.